Geeks Talk Movies. I'm Tom Evans. And I'm Tom Wardley. Geeks Talk News. And the first news story I want to chat about today is uh, breaking news from the world of Hollywood. Apparently James Cameron is uh, on board for another Terminator film uh, in the role of producer alongside uh, the director of Deadpool, whose name escapes me right now. Tim Miller. Thank you. How many Tim Miller films have you seen? Um, I well, I've seen Deadpool. Yes. Um, I can't think of any others that I, you know, sort of know were Tim Miller films off the top of my head. I'm gonna have to look this up. Okay, but so okay, li- literally Deadpool. Deadpool is his his first feature. Oh, really? Yep. Um, has he worked on anything else at all? Uh. He's directed some shorts, written some shorts, produced some shorts, um, but that is it. Okay. And so the idea here is, uh, what Jim's Jim has got a Saturday off in between doing Avatar um, two to eighteen. Mm. I thought I know what I'll do. I'll um, I'll have another stab at that Terminator thing I used to do. Yeah. I mean, I have to say. Considering Deadpool is Tim Miller's only feature, um, now I thought Deadpool was okay. I didn't, it, I, I didn't quite think it was the masterpiece that a lot of people seem to have thought it was, but I didn't dislike it. I thought it was okay, but it certainly wouldn't have been. I certainly didn't watch it and think it was an advert for directing Terminator. You know, <clears throat> definitely. It it. He would not have been my my go to director, but then I suppose my most of my go to directors are, uh, for the Terminator new Terminator are probably tied up with the Star Wars universe in some way, shape, or form. Okay, uh, this is the way that uh, Radio Times have reported the story. Um, the filmmaker is reportedly planning a new instalment in the franchise when he regains the rights to his creation in 2019. Cameron originally sold the rights for $1 to producer Gail Ann Hurd, who was his ex-wife, mm. um, under the agreement that he could not be fired as director. According to Deadline, uh, the copyright reversion will take place 35 years after the original film's 1984 release, upon which Cameron, who also directed Titanic and Avatar, of course, plans to release a reboot and a conclusion to the story that he started. He has not been involved with the franchise since T2, uh, and of course, Tim Miller's been announced as director. So, how, so, so it, how is going to be a reboot and a conclusion? <laughs> is that? That's what or, it or is it two different films? It says, it says a reboot to conclude the two that he did. I, uh, do they uh, mean? Uh, uh, like more like not a reboot, but no, sort of but resetting the, it back like, to where it was. Genesis tried to continue the story while rebooting. And yeah. it was a complete shambles. <laughs> <laughs> it was just yeah. a disaster. Um, yeah, I, d- I don't know. Uh, that that worries me. Uh, the idea of it being a reboot and a conclusion. I think we'll get lots of timey-wimey nonsense. And Terminate is best when the time travel is merely a plot device. Yes. And not the whole and not the plot yeah um you know when it's just used as a means to get the story going as it is in one 
and two and to, what does I want for? I hate it when people call part the original film number one, <laughs> number one, Terminator one. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think I think that's where it works best. Um, like like in the first three, where it's literally just a means to get the story going. I feel like this is the the result of of years of people online saying, "Ah, oh, James Cameron needs to direct another Terminator film because this is no mm. good." Blah 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 blah. And, it, and but we've gone so past that now. Now they've said, "Oh yeah, we will now." It's too late. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Terminator Two was nineteen ninety one. So, and what's Feature-wise, what's Cameron done since then? Titanic, True Lies, Titanic, and Avatar. I must have done something else as well, surely. I think that's it. Really? I think so. I mean, he was tied up with that Spider-Man film for years, wasn't he? Oh, God, but yeah. That that never actually came to fruition. But I think my point is that do we want to see the director that Cameron is now direct to Terminator film? I'm not sure I do. Mm. No, I, I agree. I, to be honest, I'm past Terminator now. I think, I I mean, think my, they've my, gone too far. My two picks would be um, Ryan Johnson based on Looper, mm. really, because essentially Looper had a lot of similarities with Terminator. Um, And my other choice would be Neil Blomkamp. Uh, yes. Who is, you know, making the sort of pretend aliens film that we're never going to see. We are going to see it. Well, let's hope so. We are going to see it. Don't say things like that. So you're saying he's he's now traded himself in. Is he the the Abrams to Star Wars as as he is to Cameron? What? He's, he's the Cameron replacement. Blomkamp is the Cameron continuer. That's what you're saying. Yeah, he, in the yeah. Same way that in, seems in the way to... in the way that Abrams seems to have have adopted the the classic style of Spielberg and Lucas, I yeah. feel like Blomkamp has got a lot of sort of classic Cameron, the sort of Cameron that gave us Aliens, Terminator, and Terminator Two. Blomkamp's got a lot a lot of that in him, and so has Ryan Johnson. I think Duncan Jones would be a good choice, um, who directed uh, Moon and Source Code. Oh, yeah, and th- that's a good call. That mm. is a good call. Uh, the, the, the fundamental question uh, of this story is, do we want another two-minute film, yes or no? And no. My answer is no. 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 I, I, I'd i be cautiously optimistic about another TV series. How about su- just some way of wrapping up one and two in a decent fashion? Well, the uh, the trouble is the TV series did that, but then they cancelled it before the TV series wrapped itself up. So okay, so the the best way for this to end is to do an hour long TV special directed by James Cameron, which ends Chronicles as a proper ending to T one and T two, and that. Yeah, I think so. Get yeah. get Lena Headey back. Mm. Get Summer Glau back. Mm. Um, the boy that played John is probably a bit old now. Thomas Dacker. So yeah. So what whatever happened to him? <laughs> so you you might have to recast him, but um, I think that's that's you know. If they had to do anything more to terminate a franchise, that's what I'd like to see. Okay. Well, 
Let us know what you think. Mm. I mean, we think, forget it. Uh, let us know what you think at Geeks Talk Movies on Twitter, uh, whether you would like another Terminator film or not. I, I think the problem is it's inevitable that it will happen. It was going to happen whether we wanted to or not, but there we go. Yeah, I think so. Okay, moving on. Next news story. Uh, you remember uh, the Star Trek battle uh, between the uh, fan film and Paramount? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Axanar or Xanar or whatever it was called. I think it was Axanar. Right, okay. So, um, uh, Cinema Blend reports today. There's a child drawing a picture of the Enterprise that Paramount are trying (laughs) to sue him for or something. Yes. Yes, you're right, yes. Um, Yeah, Cinema Blend have revealed today that the the fan film has um, settled in court with Paramount. So the war is over. Uh, so here's the details. Uh, uh, Axanar Productions announced earlier today they, they've reached a formal resolution to the lawsuit. The agreement includes them still being allowed to show the prelude to Xanar Axanar tale commercial free on YouTube, as well as producing the main Star Trek Axanar f- movie as two 15-minute segments on YouTube, also without ads. There's still some extra requirements to work out over the next 60 days, but with this decision, the Axanar crew is free to move forward on principal photography at a later date, working with within the guideline for fan films that was drafted by Paramount earlier last year. Uh, the journey towards reaching this resolution hit a few bumps along the way. In March 2016, um, the film received support from uh, Justin Lin um, and J.J. Abrams, the latter of whom implied that the lawsuit would go away. However, that following summer, Paramount and CBS made it clear to a Californian federal judge that they would be moving forward with the case, and in October it was reported that Lin and Abrams uh, could be pulled into court to testify. Among the issues that the studios had with this Axanar film uh, included the tunics and appearance of the Vulcans looking too similar to what were seen in the original 60s TV series, as well as the copyright surrounding the Klingon language. The trial was scheduled to begin this month, but now the messy situation has been resolved before going in too deep. So, the production goes on, which is great. Mm. Sounds like they have been sort of handcuffed a little bit, but... Yeah, so... Essentially, what Paramount have said is that they're not allowed to make it as one long thing. It needs to be chopped up into episodes. But other than that... Crack on. Do exactly what they were going to do anyway. Pretty much. It seems like this has been a hell of a saga for such an outcome. Well, while we're on the the, the subject... You, you know, why didn't they just say, you, you can't make a film, but if you want to release it as 15-minute episodes, that's fine. <laughs> Maybe you should have been on the negotiating table earlier on and you could have had it all sorted. Um, well, good for them. I'm pleased because it does look like quite an exciting production. Uh, obviously, the quality of it, mm. it looks really, really good. It could be a really interesting story and it's something that Star Trek fans deserve, frankly. And, you know, it will be nice to actually get a Star Trek TV series when they're saying it's going to be released. Well, I'm glad you said that. I was just going to bring you up on that. So that, so Star Trek, uh, what is it called again? The new series? Discovery. Um, Discovery. It's been delayed again. Yes, it has. Yeah. Indefinitely. Well, not not indefinitely, but they haven't announced. They're, they're still hoping it will air in 2017, but they haven't announced uh, a new air date. So it was supposed to be February. It was supposed to be mere weeks away. Um, from from today, mm. um, you know, fr- from mid January, we were recording this, um, and then it got pushed back to May, um, and now it's been delayed again 
but we don't know a definite date this time. But they are still promising it in 2017. But who knows? Do you know, I'm not... I'm looking forward to this series, um, and I'm really dying to see it, but I just want them to take as long as they need to take to make a quality show that that does justice to the franchise. And maybe, you know, I, I love the original series adventure spirit of the movies, mm-hmm. but... I get the impression this show is supposed to be a bit darker and a bit deeper and, and have more of that sort of long-form storytelling and philosophy that the original series did have to a certain extent, but specifically Voyager and Deep Space Nine. So, you know, I'm willing... I'm more than happy to, to wait as long as it takes for them to, to nail that and get it right because they're only going to get one shot at this bringing Star Trek back to TV. If this fails, I think... Paramount will say, "Well, you know, that's that's it. We we took a shot. Um, we're hugely successful making this movie series. Mm. So let's just stick with that." Mm. Um, so yeah, you know, I think this is probably uh, more important for the company financially because the idea of this series is to launch their all access on demand platform. Mm. So they need it to be absolutely on the money. Yeah. Um. And also, uh, just to appease the fans that are probably going ballistic by now, they have announced that um, James Frain, who you will know from 24 as Audrey's ex-husband... Yeah, he was also the um, sort of main villain in in season two of Gotham. Ah, there you go. Mm. And he's going to play Spock's father. Yeah, which is, which is a surprise. Mm. And it gives us an idea still quite a vague idea but an idea of where this fits in the timeline now mm. i guess cuz he's you know unless i mean makeup can do wonderful things but you assume that he's going to be from his age as an actor one assumes that this show is going to be set around the time of the original series if not before or or shortly after. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you're right. They need to just get it done right and not get it out quick. They need Mm. to just do it right. But it is disappointing to see that it keeps getting delayed. Although, if you do read the official um, press statement from CBS, um, they're actually saying that they're being flexible on the day and the production does start next week. They're not saying that it is going to be delayed. They, They are suggesting that it will. Right, okay. So... There's every possibility that it could still be broadcast earlier than people think, but I think the likelihood is that it won't be. <clears throat> Given that this is a, the show that I would imagine it would be a fairly hefty amount of mm. post-production. I think the other thing is, obviously, the rest of the world, this is a Netflix original, this show. Yeah. Now, they don't want to be pushing these dates around too much because... You know they they want to keep Netflix in good faith. Yeah, and I imagine Netflix are going to launch this as a major series. Yeah, and Netflix have got their own major series that they need to schedule, and you don't want to be releasing all your big series 
around the same time. You want to be releasing them so that people have a month or so to watch one series, then a new one comes along, Yeah, which is the pace Netflix are at with the moment. So they release the OA just before Christmas, um, and then they release the series of Unfortunate Events just after. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, I think, you know the content of what was in those shows they'd have probably been better off doing it the other way around I yeah. think a series of unfortunate events would have been quite a good family series for families to watch over the Christmas break but that's indeed. by the by indeed it's also been revealed that the Universal Monster franchise which is about to emerge um, on the back of well, I say it's Universal it's not Universal but anyway it is universal. It is universal. Well, well it, is. it depends what you're talking about. Well, it will be. It will become clear. But it is universal. I'm thinking of something else. But uh, over Christmas, I saw the trailer for Kong Skull Island, which I knew nothing about at all. Mm. Didn't know who was in it, where, when it was set, what it was following, what it was part of, nothing. Really impressed by it, by the way. The trailer is fantastic. Check it out. So this is part of a franchise now with Godzilla. Yes. Warner Brothers, by the way, you're getting it right. Um, um, and the whole franchise now has a name, right? It's called Drumroll Monsterverse. Monsterverse. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> Here it is, Monsterverse. Monsterverse. Right. <laughs> I mean, like the fun tone of King Kong kind of fits that, but you know. Do you really watch the, the the Gareth Edwards Godzilla and and how earnest that is, and think, oh, this is part of the monster verse? <laughs> it's like they've sat there and gone, well, we've got these monsters, and we want them to share a cinematic universe. Someone's got paid for that, yeah, for monster verse. It's, it's probably like twelve people locked in a room yeah. for a week, and they've gone, we've got these monsters, and they're sharing a cinematic universe. What are we going to do? <laughs> what are we going to weeks? They've been sat in there, locked in that room, brainstorming, and they've come up with fucking Monsterverse. It's good, isn't it? Kongzilla. That would have been better. <laughs> well, there you go. But it, it, but the, uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll agree, the, the Kong trailer was great. It looks really good fun, doesn't it? Mm. It looks really good fun. Really, really pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward I to just, that. I uh, just, you know, sort of to, to expand that point about the difference in tones like that they granted we haven't seen kong yet the trailer might be selling it as a lot more fun than it is you know it might be a lot more a lot darker and a lot more earnest but Mm. it's hard to see those two judging by the what we've seen in the kong trailer it's really hard to see those two films meshing together you know either the kong franchise is going to have to get incredibly serious incredibly quickly or the Godzilla franchise is just going to turn into light-hearted adventure territory mm. very quickly. Yeah, you know it's 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 hard to to gel those two things. I think, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to Skull Island. I think it looks good fun. And what else can we expect in this monsterverse? I have no idea, but I mean, the thing is the the sort of cinematic universe they were basing this on um king kong only it was a godzilla universe Mm. it started with the toho studios in japan and kong only entered that as another monster for godzilla to fight um and then all the other monsters are just godzilla monsters Mm. um so 
I don't know whether they're gonna just keep having Godzilla fight different monsters every time, and Kong is one of them, or. Well, it's just occurred to me that uh, Warner Brothers also produced another monster-led uh, mm. franchise uh, known as Pacific Rim. I wonder if that could be... Possibly, but, I mean, it would take some sort of retconning of the Pacific Rim universe, I think. Hmm. Hmm, I wonder. Uh, by the way, the, the, this name, Monsterverse, has been revealed uh, thanks to uh, merchandising. It appeared on a lanyard um, for Kong Skull Island. Oh. School, Schoolboy era. It's some marketing fuckers done this. They're just going, oh, that, that sounds cool. Yeah. But there you go. There you go. Got so, we're, we, am I right in thinking we're getting another Godzilla film and then yeah, Godzilla, Godzilla and King, King Kong? King of Monsters and then Godzilla versus Kong. Hmm. And, and not that far away, either of them. Um, oh, Kong comes right before my birthday. How exciting. I look forward to that. Lovely. <laughs> Looks great. So, yeah. Um, who knows? I mean, okay. I suppose it's worth looking at the, the original Japanese counterpart to see what other monsters mm. appeared. I mean, there was loads. I can't remember the names. That, I remember Mechagodzilla. And then there was one where Godzilla had a son as well. Oh, good God. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah. And then I think there was one that was like an insect. But I think they kind of did those in the last Godzilla film. The mutos in Godzilla. Right. Were kind oh. of in insecty. So maybe that was their interpretation of those. But I don't know. Okay. Well, we look forward to see what else will be part of the monst monsterverse. Hmm. God. Now, I realise on this podcast, I do give special treatment to certain films that we probably talk more about mm. than others, and I apologise for that. But you have to allow me just a moment to say how impressive the new Power Rangers trailer is. Yeah. It looks... I have to say, I think I'm less excited than I was after the first trailer. And for what reasons? Um, because there seems to be a lot of... Um, it's going to sound like a stupid thing to say about Power Rangers, but there <laughs> seems like a lot of just big, sort of generic uh, special effects monster fights. Yeah. Um, but I'm not disheartened by it at all. The characters seem fantastic. Mm. I think that's what's really going to catch me is the characters um i was a big fan of uh project almanac um mm -hmm. this director's previous film mm -hmm. um which was about a group of teenagers who sort of discover time travel and you know things escalate yeah um and this looks along uh, you know a very similar tone and i think it'll be really good fun so from from a sort of fans perspective because I know a lot of the detail in this uh, we mentioned it on previous podcasts I think uh, the, the first complaint that I've read about this trailer is that it, it, it does appear to give you the entire film uh, the whole story is there and all the leaked well, information is, is, is there I mean it does but what it doesn't give you anything you weren't expecting hmm. like this trailer shows you a group of teenagers who all meet each other uh, get 
the sort of Power Ranger uh, powers, meet Zordon now five. Zordon tells them that they need to fight uh, Rita Repulsa. Then they meet Rita Repulsa, and Rita Repulsa fights them. Did you not think any of that was going to happen in the film? No, that's true. But it's just you—you you hope that there's more, um, because because essentially this film really is uh, a very souped-up um, version of the pilot. In that, in the pilot yeah. episode, the only bad guy they battle is Goldar, and in the trailer, the big bad is Goldar. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Now, this is the other complaint from fans: is that Goldar in this is genuinely like, like a sort of, uh, like Frankenstein's laboratory kind of monster mm. formed out of gold. It, it it appears that in the trailer, like Rita can build stuff out of out of, you know stuff on earth like the putties are now like mm. rock monsters they just mm-hmm. come out of the ground or whatever that makes sense because putties were always stupid anyway um and um and goldar is just this big it looks like a melted action figure of gold which again makes more sense than why was he a blue monkey i never understood why he was a blue mm. monkey but whatever the interesting bit about the trailer for me is there's one shot where you see rita repulsa not in in her green suit and this brings me back to this whole idea of the reason they've gone for green is this is setting this up for the Green Ranger because Green was evil first and all this kind of thing. Yeah, I, I feel like that that's that's going to play into this. This is very much a totally a they're in this for the long haul. You know, this is all about franchise building as far yeah. as they're concerned. I mean, the thing is, ultimately, this is an origin story film, mm. and you know, it's going to have a lot of of laying out their table. Mm. I really like Alpha 5. People don't seem to have warmed to him. No, I, I like him. Design's really good. Mm. And the idea that the command centre is this alien ship that's crashed into Earth is great. Yeah. By far the best thing in the trailer, and exactly as I imagined that they would do him, is Brian Cranston and Zordon. And yeah, it just he, that's he exactly looks like it. one of those things that is like a square thing with loads of pins in it, and you yeah. put your hand in, and yeah. it makes a shape. Yeah, it, it just looks, looks, like it looks like a giant one of those. And I like that his face still looks like Brian Cranston as well. And yet still does actually look like Zordon. I think he looks like Zordon yeah, as well. Yeah, I can't really remember what Zordon looked like, to be honest. But David Fielding played Zordon. Mm. But there you go. Um, I, I think look, everything looks great so far. The visual design is all good. The suit's still a little bit weird for me, but I, I can get on board with them. The problem is that most of the stuff in the trailer has been revealed through merchandising over the last couple of months. The toys revealed the yeah. swords, the toys revealed um, Goldar, there's Goldar there. I mean, you know, maybe not the best way to reveal in a toy. It all looks better in the trailer. Everything looks better. Yeah, there were some really good jokes in the trailer as well, um, I thought. And I really hope they're not the only jokes. There was a joke between Billy and Zach that really made me laugh. Oh yeah! When they, f- I'm not going to spoil it for anyone that hasn't seen the trailer and doesn't yeah. want to know. But when they find out what color rangers they're going to be, yeah, that really made me laugh. Again, it, yeah, yeah, we won't go to detail on that. But you're right, that and, and it, good. And it plays on something that they're getting a bit of criticism for deliberately doing. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, you feel like they're sort very of... self-aware. Yeah. It kind of felt like the Leslie Jones um, joke in. Ghostbusters, you know, I don't know if this is a black thing or if this is a woman yeah, thing. Yeah, it exactly. Kind of plays on that. Exactly. So, uh, another interesting thing on the design side is that 
this idea uh, was actually uh, envisaged for the original Power Rangers film back in 95, in that you'd be able to see the Rangers with their helmets on, but see their faces in the helmets, mm. not just be a, a visor, which they started shooting the 95 film with, and then abandoned it and put the visors back on for the whole thing. Um, whereas this film, you get both, in that the visors do pop up and down, and yet they still have their helmets on, which yeah. is nice, because you can see the actors in the suit, and it's not just some random stunt guy I mean, th- this has become a sort of you know, all, all films are doing this now. Like, yeah. you know, no one wears their mask for for very long in in films anymore. Yeah. Um, the only one that annoys me with is Batman, really, because Batman is the cow. That is what Batman is. But mm. you know, um, Avengers are doing it. Um, yeah. But it's um, I understand why they do it. I think it's a good thing. But um, but yeah. I th- I think some of the CGI from the trailer. Um, I'm hoping it's a bit more polished. Yes, I agree. By the time we see the film, um, but yeah, all in all, looks looks like a cool movie. Like the characters, um, I think it would be good fun. You're right about the characters, though. Uh, in that, the, the 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 one of the first lines in the first episode was, "Oh, we need teenagers with attitude." They never had attitude, really. Mm. These guys have attitude. Yeah, they actually... they are pissed off. Aren't yeah, they? yeah, proper teenagers. They really are. Um, so I'm looking forward to it and again this comes out in March March is getting a quite exciting month mm. for a bit of for a bit of fun basically is that when Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is out as well oh I wonder is it shall we check interested to see if it is uh, coming from the man probably the only man on earth that hasn't seen the first one still are you not no I know that's really bad that isn't it that's really bad I'll get around to it at some point. I will get around to it. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. May. May. Is that in May? May, okay. It's going to launch your summer season. But there we go. So Power Rangers, the trailer's up. Uh, now you can also see it on our Twitter at Geeks Talk Movies. You might have seen a headline uh, appear this week uh, that Logan, which is the latest X-Men movie and the final one for uh, Hugh Jackman, is not set in the same universe as the X-Men movies, according to the man himself. Well, in many respects, I think, yes. But if you actually see the interview that was conducted by Digital Spy, you'll discover that that's not entirely what he says. I think what he's trying to say is generally that uh, the film didn't feel beholden to to fitting into the rest of the other films. um, And it is still connected, but Mm. it's not, you know, part 4.3 of something else. It's just a film in in itself. Yeah, And and I think he's saying that if anything that was really important to them story-wise contradicted any of the other films, then so be it. You know, they weren't going to... um, They weren't going to let previous continuity hurt their story in any way. Mm. Um, Which is much like what the original graphic novel, you know? It's literally going to say the same thing. It's set within the Marvel Universe, but it's not beholden to everything that's come before and you know let's be honest continuity is not this franchise's strong point they had a perfect opportunity to reboot their continuity and start again and do it properly and they fucked it up Mm. Um, so you know two trilogies they've made now both of which have continuity that is all over the place Um, so I can completely understand why they've gone well look you know if, if the big films in this franchise that are supposedly beholden to the continuity can't even get it right then mm. 
you know, why should we? And they've just gone off and made what the film they wanted to make. Yeah. And that film itself uh, comes out in March again. March is looking good. March is looking cooking. Cooking with gas in March. Yeah, looking forward to Logan. The trailer really sets the tone of the film. It is entirely mm. different to um, what we've seen before. And I felt that way, but, but, but the other two X-Men Wolverine films, they're very different to X-Men. Yeah. And they're very different to each other. I mean, I, I don't like Origins. No, not Wolverine so much. Origins. I don't... I see what they were trying to do, but I don't really like it. Mm. The Wolverine, I thought was pretty good. Yep. And I was quite surprised by that. I thought that would be the one I wouldn't enjoy, and I really did. So, yeah, could be interesting. But interesting enough to see the final performance of um, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and Logan, mm. of course. So, yeah, March, and we'll be checking that out here on Geek's Talk Movies. Geek's Talk Rogue One. The first spin-off Star Wars film, live action, proper. The actual first proper Star Wars spin-off film. Clone Wars mm. does not count. No, I did see it in the cinema, though. Yeah, I did too, and I did not like it. No, it got better. Became not far off a masterpiece, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't start great. No, it did not. Didn't help by the really poor rendition of the Star Wars theme that kicked it off. Mm. Not really. But anyway, I digress. Rogue One, directed by Gareth Edwards and starring Felicity Jones, is the story that is basically the in the crawl of A New Hope. It sets up the events of A New Hope. Um... And um, first and foremost, to warn everybody that's listening that hasn't seen the film, this podcast will contain fucking huge spoilers. But also, what are you doing? It's been out six weeks now. My mate at work has still not seen it. No, to be fair, I've got a mate that hasn't seen it. No, but I completely agree. They're both fucking appalling. Yeah. Appalling. Yeah. Just get on with it. Yeah. Ridiculous. Get on with it, you know. I want to ask you a random question before we really get into this. Mm. <clears throat> Would you let a six-year-old see this film? No. No. That was my opinion. Tried to tell my boss that, wouldn't listen mm. to me. I do I do know people that have taken their kids to see this film, and I think that, you know, it's both a strength and a weakness of this film, I think. It's a strength that it does something that the main franchise wouldn't be able to do in terms of tone mm. um, but a weakness in that it has it's you know it, it, it's like if it's a bit like Little Mix really like Little Mix started out all happy and poppy and friendly and they appealed to like young girls and now they've got a bit risque and they've got a bit of swearing in their songs and it's sort of like they're not really appropriate for those sort of five or six-year-old girls that they were targeted at to begin with. And yeah. this is kind of like that. Um, weird analogy, but it was the first one that popped into my head. Rogue uh, One's a bit like Little Mix. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, that, that, that's great. Mm, Thanks. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, yeah. But yeah, point, that, that's my point. But I, I, think, I think that's okay because they've still got the main franchise going. Yeah. Um but I think maybe I think it's difficult like, you know, unless you have it plastered across your posters, this film is incredibly violent. To be fair, the death toll is one of the lowest of any Star Wars film. I get technically yes. Just the way people die. Mm. I don't think anyone dies in this film in a way that isn't quite brutal. Mm. 
And granted, it's you know it's it's lasers and whatnot, so there's not blood flying around all over the place and things like that. But mm. the the actual impact of the deaths um, is is a lot more a lot more meaningful. I mean, the, the you know the first death in the film is is Jin's mother just being shot down in cold blood. Well, not cold blood. I mean, she's got a gun on on Krennic, but it's yeah. still pretty brutal. And then we have um, Cassian, who's supposedly our hero. Um, murdering someone in an alley because they're making too much noise and the Empire are going to catch them. Mm. Um, you know, it's th- this is not a film of, of heroes and villains. This is a very grey film as, as to who our heroes are and who our villains are. And I think it's um, it's it's difficult. Um, but no, I wouldn't take a, take a six-year-old to, to see it. But then... You know, there's elements in I think just about every Star Wars film that I'm not sure would be appropriate for a six-year-old. But ultimately, it's parents' discretion, you know. And if they if they think their child's mature enough enough for the film, then go ahead. Uh, the reason I bring that up first and foremost is for me that was one of the most important things about Rogue One is the the, the tone of the film is entirely different to anything I've ever seen in Star Wars before, mm. and 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 in my opinion, very successful. Um, whereas a lot of... Uh, I, tell, I tell you a criticism that someone came up to me with the other day. They said uh, about the amount of death and the deaths in the film. Um, oh, I, I, you know, I, I, didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy it very much because I felt like I didn't really get to know the characters very much. Mm. Um, I didn't really feel like they were explored enough and, that, and then they killed them all off. Uh, with, there's me thinking with my sort of Disney brain. Well, surely that's intentional. Um, if you really felt like you weren't that connected to the characters mm. and we are in a Star Wars film and it is still Star Wars and a Disney film in, in, in many respects that you can't really ask people to invest that much in the characters and kill them all off in this franchise because that would be very, very tough because that was tough enough as it was. Well, the thing is, I, I agree that the characters are... I wouldn't say they're one-dimensional. I think they've got enough enough quirks, enough flaws that are explored to make them a little above, you know, stock one-dimensional mm. characters. But I don't think they're very developed, um, and I do think that's criticism with this film. Is however, that intentional? However, though? I think that's a criticism with any war movie. Okay. Any war movie has characters that are introduced, given a few quirks, a few catchphrases to make you like them, and then they're all dead by the end of the film. Okay. That's how war movies work. Look at Saving Private Ryan and tell me how developed those characters really are. Tom Hanks's character gets a monologue halfway through the film. Other than that, they're, they're not developed in the slightest. You know that you know that the sniper's religious. You know that one of them is Jewish and and is you know hates mm. the Nazis for that reason. You know that Tom Hanks's character is a teacher. You know that Ed Burns' character is from New York. That's about all we know about the characters in that film, mm. and that is regarded as is one of, if not the greatest war film of all time. Mm. And I think that's why something like Banner Brothers and The Pacific are regarded so much because they're essentially 10-hour war movies. Mm. And they're war movies where you actually get to grow and get to know the characters. Mm. And so while I I will agree with anybody that says the characters in this aren't that that developed, I think to say that is to approach this film 
as a Star Wars movie mm. and not as a war film set in Star Wars universe. Okay. But do you think this is an, an intentional move or do you think this is a poor writing? I mean, I... Or you know, poor execution uh, of the point, uh, I suppose I'm saying. I don't think it's poor writing. I think it's intentional because I don't think... Like with any war movie, I don't think that's what matters. Right. Um, you know, although I would say mo- in most war films, the characters die gradually as the film progresses. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, because they all die at the end, you have got more time to develop them. And so that time could have been spent. Like, I'd rather have, there's, uh, I'd rather have seen more character scenes than. Krennic visiting Vader on Mustafa. I, that scene, cut that scene from the film, and the film's no different. It achieves nothing apart from a bit of fanboy service of seeing Darth Vader in his castle on Mustafa. Fair enough. Um, the end scene with Vader, I think, is crucial because I think if you're watching them, you know, if you're then going to w- watch New Hope s- straight after, um, I think that end scene with Vader helps get you to a place where. A new hope begins, and and sort of so the first time you see Vader walk down that corridor, you're already terrified of him. Mm. But the earlier scene, I think, is irrelevant, and I'd have rather seen something like that cut. And knowing all the reshoots and things that took place, knowing Gareth Edwards' style, I can imagine there was a lot more character development because that's what Gareth Edwards does really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can I I can just picture a conversation where Disney is saying we need to get rid of all this talky stuff. And put some more action in, hmm. um, which you know I'm not saying that's what happened, but I can certainly imagine that happening, knowing the people involved. Okay. Um, but you know, I think all in all, I I really did enjoy this film, but not necessarily as a Star Wars film. Okay. I mean, I've I've seen Force Awakens when this film came out, when Rogue One came out, I'd seen Force Awakens seven times. Wow. Right? So that, that was in the space of a year. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd seen it saw it five times at the cinema. Then um I watched it when I bought the Blu ray. And then I went to a special uh, outdoor screening of it later in the year, so seven times. And on the seventh time I was just as excited and just loved it just as much as the first time. Mm-hmm. Because it had that sense of adventure, that sense of that sense of fun, that way it made me feel like an eight-year-old kid again. Mm. Rogue One didn't have any of that. Rogue One hasn't got that inherent rewatchability that that Star Wars four through seven have. I think it's a great film, but it's just I think it's, it just doesn't have that. It doesn't have that magic, for want of a better word. Okay, I I completely agree, and I, I but I see that as a positive rather than a criticism because I think. If it did have that kind of sense about it, it might as well not be a spin-off and just be three point five. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm not. I'm not saying, you know, a lot of people are, are saying that Rogue One is the best Star Wars film ever, and I'm saying it's not. It's one of it the. Can't be it's really. one of the best films of 2016. Yeah. It's not one of the best Star Wars films ever for me because it doesn't have. What makes Star Wars Star Wars? Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I give you that. 
I just think I've I've heard too much criticism about it not falling in line with the other six films, and I think that doesn't it bother me. Absolutely, shouldn't fall. That in doesn't line. bother me in the slightest. Mm. The same way that I love 1966 Batman, I love Nolan's Batman. They're mm. completely different, mm. but they're both Batman, and I love them both. And the same way I love Rogue One, and I love the the I love four through seven. The the prequels. Have got their good and they've got their bad, mm. and and I'm not. That's a different conversation for another day. We're not excited to slag off the prequels, no. but it as much as I enjoyed this film in years to come, when I think you know I'm having a shitty day or a shitty week or whatever, or, or you know things are going on or, mm. or times are tough, and I think I need to dip in Star Wars I need that feeling that only Star Wars can give me mm. Rogue One is never going to be the film I turn to but if I'm up for a you know a really good war movie mm. then I might choose Rogue One over something like Saving Private Ryan over something like Platoon over something like um, you know to, to give it a sci-fi equivalent Battle of Los Angeles or mm. something like that you know okay uh, some other points then uh, I'd like to bring up um, all kind of superficial stuff really um, we'll come to special facts in a second but uh, keeping on that vein of it not falling in line with the, uh, the Star Wars films and correctly mm. not doing so uh, the lack of uh, crawl and the introduction to the film itself because we, we had a sort of preamble before we had a logo and then we went into the film yeah good, bad, misplaced well, I think if you're not going to do a crawl, don't start with a shot in space that tracks down to a planet. Because, it almost feels like it was there. Because it felt like you had Lucasfilm, and mm. then it went straight into that, and it just felt like the, a crawl had been chopped out. And it did have a long time ago, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It, it had did a long time ago, Yeah, which I think is crucial. I mm. think that has to be there. Yeah. But a crawl... I thought it was the right choice. Yes. But what felt strange was the fact that it did then go into that shot of space as if a crawl had just been chopped out okay. of, of that part. Okay. With you there. Um, and I, I like the fact that when the logo came up, so there was this kind of cold open and the logo came up, it wasn't the logo we've seen in all the trailers where it's in a Star Wars font and says a Star Wars story. Mm. It was just a very workmanlike rogue one mm. text that was it mm. and i really like that um first time i saw the film i thought the theme especially because it sort of really crescendoed as rogue one came up felt like when the simpsons can't get the license to use a theme so they write something that's a bit similar i thought it sounded like a bit of a knockoff of john williams theme but yeah. the second time i saw the film i thought actually do you know what this if this film is is a different take on Star Wars, then this is a different take on that sort of bombastic theme. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to bring up the music too because uh, uh, Michael Gacchino, who um, has done the Star Trek films, did mm. this, and he does seem to be the new age John Williams. And I do feel as if he is the man to go to if. Um, mm. God help if this does happen, but if John doesn't make it to the end, yeah, which inevitably won't, I suppose, because they'll probably decide to do ten, eleven, and twelve. But um, I really liked the score, and I felt that it it definitely had Star Wars traits in it, but it did feel more like a a John Williams score that wasn't a Star Wars score. Mm. It felt like it had the John Williams stuff there, but not necessarily it did. Star Wars. And, and I think the 
I think what was great about it is that the Imperial March didn't feel out of place. No. So, you know, they used the Imperial March in the scenes with Vader. Mm. Um, I think that was it. I think that was the only place they used it. Possibly when there was, like, the big shots of Star Destroyers and stuff. But it didn't feel out of place, which means that the score worked. Mm. Because if the score hadn't worked... When the Imperial March came in, you'd have sort of, you know, been grabbing for it and sort of thinking, "Oh, thank God, some proper Star Wars music." Yeah, and that di- that's not how it felt at all. Um, I agree. I, I, I'm I'm fairly happy with the score. Um, th- things are stuck in my mind that like random things. Uh, like the, the the captions for where we were that was new for Star Wars, telling us yeah, what planet we were on. That reminded me a lot of. Uh, the new Star Trek franchise. Yeah, I felt that. Because they all have those captions, location captions, yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, they're they're necessary. They're an easy way to set up where you are without characters having to go, so we're on Mustafar then. Or, you know, Krennic going to Vader, I've come to visit you in your castle on Mustafar. (laughs) Instead, it's just Vader's castle, Mustafar. And, you know, I, I think that's necessary. Um, because the the rest of the films aren't as planet hopping as this, and when they are, a character you know is very heavy on exposition and says, "I am going to the Dagobah system." Yeah, you know, mm. um, and there's so many planets you don't realize it, but there's so many planets that, especially in the original trilogy, just went unnamed. And it's only because you and I grew up with our Star Wars annuals and filofaxes and video games and just Star Wars everything that we know the names of these planets yeah. because those things told you. But so little of it was actually given a name in the film. Hmm. I mean, Cloud City is just called Cloud City. I don't think that's ever referred to as Bespin in the films. Yeah. Like, like the planet that Cloud City's on, yeah. I don't think is ever referred to as Bespin. Hmm. Uh, let's talk cast and performances then. Felicity mm-hmm. Jones doing a wonderful impression of Sarah Michelle Gellar with dark hair to me. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed her performance. I thought she was very strong. Um, she's certainly better in the film than she was in the trailers. Um, I thought she was. They didn't really pick mm. the best bits in the trailers, but yeah, yeah. And they they cut out a lot of the stuff in the trailer, like you know. Um, well, there's oh, lots what, of shots. There. What was that? Yeah. A lot of it is stuff I'd like to have seen in the film, but there was that one line, um, you know, where she was like, oh, come on. she said something like, um, you know, I'm a rebel, I rebel, oh, right, or something yeah. like that. Right, okay. I can't remember what it was. That was cut, and that was cut, which was great because that was a dumb line. It was a dumb line. But there was some other, there was some other cool stuff that that was cut. But you know, so, in that corridor. So be it. I'm, I'm not. I don't really. I enjoyed the film, so I don't really care what was cut. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I I loved Batman vs Superman, but it wasn't without flaws, quite glaring flaws. So I was really intrigued to see what had been cut and see if that improved the film. With Rogue One, I'm not bothered because I I really like the film that mm. was that was left. Mm. Whether half of Gareth Edwards' film was thrown on, you know, on left on the cutting room floor and. New stuff was put in. I don't really care. I liked what we got, so yeah. I'm not. I'm not bothered if a few bits were were cut out. Agreed. But she was she was great. Enjoyed her character. Yep. 
Um, who else stood out for me? Uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, K2SO. Alan Tudyk. Yeah, really great. Really, mm. really good. Uh, kind of a modern day uh, version of the C-3PO in, 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 in every sense and sort of like yeah. correcting that kind of, not making it as daft and yet still having that kind of he kind of um, and... he kind of reminded me of um marvin the paranoid android mm. from hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy um, yeah i can see that i can see that uh mads mickelson is is a superb actor in everything he's done anyway. i mean he was great but he didn't really have much to do he um you know just got to sort of wander around and and f- be really stressed out and say gin a lot <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought he was an alcoholic by the end of it. Um, who else did I really enjoy? Um, I thought Donnie Yen was fantastic. Yes, absolutely yeah. fantastic. And I, and I love the whole thing they did with his character of not being a Jedi but still worshiping the Force. Mm. And the whole, um, you know, I'm one with the Force. The Force is with me. I thought that was fantastic. That mm. whole thing, um, and and it just expanded the idea of the Force in a way that we all kind of knew existed in that universe but we never really seen and i thought i thought that was great mhm forest Whitaker, i could take or leave to be honest he you know he made a choice and he went for it didn't he yeah but was it the right one i'm not entirely convinced the whole sort of save the rebellion yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was very you know i mean fair play to him he went for it yeah. he 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 really did go for it. Um, merciless, mercifully, he he's not in the film that much. No. I think the, with the amount he's in the film for, it's it works. I think if he was in the film any longer, you'd start to think this is a bit too much. Yeah, because everyone's quite downplayed in that film. Everyone's quite subtle, and then he is so over the top. Mm. Um, you know, I he definitely. I'm sure he had to go to the dentist after chewing all that scenery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and, uh, and apparently he's reviving that character in, in uh, Rebels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the character started in Clone Wars, but Forrest Whitaker didn't play him at that point. Mm. But it'd be interesting to see him in Rebels because his character is is very different in um, Rogue One. Right. To to Clone Wars. I mean, essentially, you know, he's he's still. Well, I mean, he's a terrorist, isn't he? Essentially, he's a terrorist. Yeah. As opposed to a, a rebel, he's a terrorist. Um, and his his character is a terrorist in Clone Wars, mm-hmm. or, or at least becomes one. Mm. Um, but he's still he's not batshit insane. <laughs> yeah. Like he is in in Rogue One. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets to that point. Uh. Who else did I really enjoy? Who did I really enjoy? Um, ben Mendelsohn was good as uh, director Krennic. Yes, actually, I yeah, liked I him. Did enjoy him. Good yeah. sort of classic, sort of snivelling villain. You mm. know. We should probably tackle the big one then. Uh, what about the controversial, if not a very, very impressive inclusion of uh, Peter Cushion, which was a lovely mm. surprise, given that when I saw the scene, the first scene you see him in, and you see the slight refraction in the window, I genuinely thought that was all we were going to get. And then he turned around yeah. and it was in the entire fucking film. Yeah. So I was quite gobsmacked. I, um, 
I, I think the character was important to the story. I think if it had felt like the character, the story could have taken place without that character, I might feel differently. But I think the character was, you know, really added something to the story. And also I think it adds something to that character in A New Hope. Mm. So, yeah, I've no issue with it. I think I think if if the character was you saw the character isolated i think the the effect that they've used is is really good i just for me it doesn't quite hold up alongside real living breathing actors quite yet i mean it's come a hell of a long way from jeff bridges in tron legacy don't get me wrong or uh, the Rock in Scorpion King. Or the Rock in Scorpion King, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, that the Rock in Scorpion King was was bad for its time yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, whereas you okay. know Jeff Bridges in Tron Legacy really was pioneering that technology. It just was w- didn't work at all. Mm. Um, and we've come an awful long way from there. There's just something in the sort of the eyes and the, and I think just the small ticks in the mouth and and the the way the light reflects off real skin i mean real skin is kind of translucent um whereas cgi skin is always um uh, opaque is that the right word mm. yeah whereas cgi skin is always opaque there's no light coming through it mm. um but you know these are very minor things yeah all in all it worked and that's what matters Agreed. Um, and I, I have to say, uh, I've seen a fair bit about the creation of what they've done. Mm. And I hats off to them. It's such an incredible uh, mm. effort. Great performance by Guy Henry, who mm. we will know in the UK as the actor who stars in Holby City. Yeah. Uh, he was also in the Harry Potter films, by the way. I don't know if you recall that. Was he one of the Death Eaters or something? He was in the Harry Potter the where is it? Where is he? Where is he? Harry Potter. He was um, p- pious thickness. Thi- pious. No? No I, I remember when I I can see his image in my head. As mm. soon as I read that, I thought, oh, good, good God, yeah. But anyway, I, I you think know. you know what I've heard quite a lot of people say is um, Guy Henry does bear a passing resemblance to um, Peter Cushing. And obviously, um, Tarkin was played by a different actor in um, episode three. Yeah. Um, But I think the the thing you've got to remember is Rogue One literally runs straight into A New Hope. Now, if you're watching episode three followed by A New Hope, uh, Revenge of the Sith followed by A New Hope, the fact that Tarkin looks a bit different, you can put down to, well, there is 30 years between these. Yeah. But you, if you'd have put another actor in Tarkin's role in A New Hope, uh, in Rogue, Rogue One, One, yeah, and then you watch New Hope directly afterwards, it would be really jarring. Mm. And it would be really hard to take that as the same character. Mm. Now, there was a time when necessity would have dictated they do that anyway. But that's not the case anymore. And although the CGI is not perfect, it's good enough that that's worth doing. Mm-hmm. I I think I think on revisiting those scenes, there are certain shots that I genuinely think are superb. Uh, to me, what lets it down, as as always with CG, it's not actually the textures. For me, it was more the movement. There is some movement that mm. just looks too organic. It just doesn't mm. look quite real. It's sort of just too precise almost. But um, 
the process was really interesting in that, did you know that um, they fortunately discovered that for an entirely different film franchise, different film in, uh, altogether, um, uh, Peter Cushion had a face cast. Right. And they managed to get that face cast and do a scan of the face cast in order to get the face correct on screen, which was oh. great. So it might not have been quite as good had they not had yeah. been fortunate enough to discover that he'd had this cast done. Um, and Guy Henry's movements, uh, you know, the, he did actually study the movements mm. of the and do his best performance. And his I've vocal said, performance. Oh, his, his his vocal performance could be Peter Cushing. Yeah, no, it literally could be. There's Peter not Cushing. been anyone that has said anything about the vocal at all. No. I think it's because it is absolutely flawless. Mm. You cannot tell. Well, he, I, th- I, I might be wrong here. Um, you know, please tweet us and give me abuse <laughs> if I am. But I think Guy Henry pl- has been playing Tarkin in Clone Wars. Interesting. Because Tarkin Tarkin was a reasonably major actor in Clone Wars. Um, Okay. uh, Sorry, Tarkin was a reasonably major character in Clone Wars. And if... I'm I'm sure I read somewhere that the same actor... Or maybe maybe I didn't. Maybe I am wrong. Um, Mm, I'm not sure. Not sure. But regardless of that... um, yeah, Guy Henry's vocal performance was was <clears throat> spot on. I think what you're saying about movement and stuff, I think, you know, the the best way of putting it is it's almost like Tarkin's character is moving at a different frame rate to everybody else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's like you know that stupid motion enhancement technology a lot of TVs have nowadays. Yeah, it's I like got it. it's like Tarkin's character is moving with that turned on <laughs> and everyone else has got it turned Turn off. off. Yeah. <laughs> you're you you're virtually right there, you're right. But I uh I was genuinely gobsmacked by the amount of scenes featuring him and I mm. and I really enjoyed them. Uh like that genuinely thought they were fantastic. And yeah, and to show that confidence in the technology as well, yeah, you know, to to just say, we, you know, this character is important to the film. It's important to our story, and we need him in this many scenes, and we're just going to do it. And also nice that they didn't reveal this in any of the trailers. Yeah, which is a lovely surprise. I genuinely thought when I saw the reflection on the window, I thought, oh, that's really cool. That's it. Mm. I had no idea he would turn around and spend the rest of the hour with me. Brilliant. And then obviously, yeah, another surprise. Then when you we, get, we can't talk about. You know, Tarkin and that technology and everything without addressing Leia at the end of the film. Yeah. Now, I didn't like this. You didn't like it? I didn't like it. I didn't think it looked half as good as Tarkin. Okay. Um, And I think you... You know, I think there's... I don't think it was necessary... I with Tarkin the technology is not quite there but it's necessary for his character to be there right right there was no reason to have for that camera at the end of Rogue One to swing round and reveal Leia's face no need whatsoever if you'd have seen her from behind you'd have still known exactly who that was exactly who that was okay and I um, it just didn't work for me that that final that final bit with Leia, um, but it, okay, but it's funny because for me, I mean, I need to look at it again. But the shock of the moment mm. for me was just uh, it was overwhelming. So I, I did just turn and I'm going, wow. I mean, this this is the thing. It's you know, it, 
it, it was a real big surprise moment. But I think what you were saying about Tarkin's reflection, I think that would have been fantastic. Mm. If they'd have kept the camera behind her and just moved it so it was over her shoulder and you just saw a distorted reflection of Leia's face mm. saying the line at the end where they say, what does this mean? She says, hope. Because I think that's a great place to to end that film is with Leia saying that 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 hope moment. I think is fantastic. Well, I, I, um, I don't. I I do need to see it again, but I really don't think it was as bad as as you remember it to be. Well, I've seen it twice now. I still don't think it's. <laughs> I am, um, but the second time I saw it, I uh, it, it was it, well, it was after Christmas. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, and I. It just took on a completely. The last thing I was thinking about was the quality of the CGI. Mm. It, it's a really strange, uh, uh, like uh, like like a kind of retroactive tribute, and mm. unknowingly being a tribute. Yeah, and I mean, it, you know, it was. I saw I I saw Rogue One, not on purpose. I'd I'd already promised my father that I'd take him to see it, but I saw it the you know the 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 day after. Carrie Fisher passed sadly and I think because because of the nature of her passing as well you know it, it she'd been ill for for a number of days and and things like that I think mm. when it finally happened it 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 had quite an impact and mm. that moment just took on a completely different sort of connotation for me than than I think than I think I was expecting it to okay um so yeah it like like you say, I think it is a nice sort of accidental tribute. But on the other hand, you know, I I think it's fantastic that we've got one more performance to look forward to, and um and I and I think it's fitting that it you know that that we as fans get to say goodbye to Leia as a character, get to say goodbye to to Carrie as an actress, and mm. and that. You know, fittingly, her her last screen role will be will be Leia, and I think the news that Disney have elected not to use the the Tarkin technology, for want of a better name for it, um, to 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 bring Leia back in Episode Nine, I think is is good news. Um, you know, if if the story had been impossible to continue without using that technology, I'd have supported it, and I'm sure Carrie would, you know, would have as well. Um, because the story is the story, but the fact that they do believe that they've got a way to satisfyingly <laughs> conclude the the trilogy without having to do that, I think is is fantastic news. Briefly uh, on on this point, I, I I've been thinking about myself in that position, uh, as in how would I feel if I was an actor that had portrayed a certain character for so many years that was part of something quite big like this mm. uh, and very significant in pop culture and in terms of its uh, uh, the, the development of the story that is being told. Mm -hmm. Would I feel comfortable in um, allowing my face to be used after my passing? And mm. I can see it on two angles. I would be absolutely delighted for them too because if because if the story needs it, then that should happen. And mm -hmm. I think that people's enjoyment of that is more important to me. In fact, that that is great. That's, that'd be, that's mm. a lovely thought. On the other hand, I can imagine a lot of actors being very precious about 
you know, it's like putting their seal of, of approval on it. They have no control over that mm. performance whatsoever. It's somebody else operating you like a puppet, literally. And I think that's how Cushing would have felt about it. Mm. But I don't think Fisher would do from from you know from from the books I've read and Fisher's view of Hollywood. I I think she'd you know, and I'm sure knowing the technology that exists now it's probably in their contracts mm. that should anything happen to you while the franchise is still in motion you know it's probably not into their contract it, well i don't know i mean it's probably in their contracts that disney own their image no, this is what i was saying you know? i wonder if, 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 from now on looking into the future yeah I, I very much doubt that people are going to have control over their image like that. i mean we're getting to the point where for example, in um, Captain America: Civil War, uh, there's uh, Robert Downey Jr. is de-aged, um, but that means that Disney, the, the Disney computers, must have a very comprehensive map of Robert Downey Jr.'s face. And if he decided, I don't want to do any more of these films, could they just recast him and put his face on top? You know. It's a, it's a really interesting <laughs> debate, though. Isn't where, it? where are we at now? Yeah. Do you just you know, can can I, are we going to get to a stage where there's essentially models? You know, that yeah. there there is no actors anymore. There's essentially models who sell their image rights because they're they're good looking or they're interesting looking, um, and then there's actors who have these faces put on top. You know, when books are being adapted, can any Tom, Dick, or Harry who they think looks exactly how the characters described on film, um? sell their image rights and their facial scan to a studio and then um you know a theater actor can come along and do the performance mm. and then the model's face can be put on top so that the character looks how they should mm. and then the theater actor is taking care of the character moving like they should and it's just you know where where do we go from here it's it's crazy but isn't it a bit like the old cg argument about models and explosions and uh, for want of a better comparison sex dolls you can make something look as good as you can uh, you know falsely make something look brilliant but at the end of the day we all yeah. know that it looked better when it's real I mean what what is it Ian Malcolm says in Jurassic Park you, you spent so long thinking about whether you could you never stopped to think about whether you should yeah and I think this is kind of where this technology is going. You know, they're, they're getting so carried away with the fact they can do this. Yeah. They're starting, they're, nobody's stopping to think about whether this is actually an all right and appropriate thing to do. Mm. It's interesting. And it's a debate that we could spend a whole pod on. Yeah. Frankly, it is. But, it, you know, in, in, in every other way, I, I enjoyed Rogue One and what other things I really enjoyed about it. I enjoyed all the references. thought there's mm -hmm. some beautiful references in there and not to, look, there's a reference. It yeah, was quite nice. I thought that, you know, the, the um, I can't remember the exact call signs, but like the, the like Red 3 and Red 4 being from A New Hope and the, outtake the fact footage, that Red yeah. 5 gets killed. And so, you yeah. know, I, th I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I thought there were some really amazing little moments that I thought were brilliant, like the fact that um, Vader brings his Star Destroyer out of hyperspace right in the middle of a battle so that loads of rebel ships just crash into it and explode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought, like, uh, the tactic of, like, ships ramming each other yeah. it was very naval. Mm. Um, you know, ramming each other and literally trying to make each other sink. Yeah. I thought that was fantastic. In space. Yeah. yeah it's um, quite grand Obviously, 
both the worst and greatest Darth Vader moment of all time. I thought Darth Vader doesn't make puns. That's fucking stupid. But <laughs> oh yeah, no, actually, yeah, that that is the moment for me for the film. That scene with Darth Vader in the corridor was absolutely yeah, fucking. It was brilliant. like it was like um, it was like Michael Myers or something. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was just this unstoppable force. Yeah. It was like terrifying. I don't think I've been that scared of Darth Vader since I was a kid and I Absolutely. think that's only because I was a kid mm. I think that's the first time the films have actually gone out of their way to make Vader absolutely fucking terrifying mm. and the fact that like the soldiers are terrified of him and you know they're trying to open the door and they're trying to escape and he's like force choking people with one hand and slicing people in half with his lightsaber and the fact that he pins that guy to the ceiling and then just chops him in half I'm like what a scene! Yeah. What a scene! Yeah, it, a lot of mixed emotions there because you you are at, at one angle you're looking at Darth Vader and going, "My God, look how scary yeah. this is scary!" And on the other hand, you're looking at these people are in the car. These soldiers know they're gonna die. They're sacrificing yeah. themselves, and that eternal passing of and, the yeah, the that info, was fantastic. You but you're, you're also kind of rooting for Vader as well yeah, <laughs> in a weird sort of way, it, yeah, because he's such a you know classic character now, and you know ultimately he gets his redemption. So ultimately, it's all right to think Darth Vader's not that bad really you're mm. kind of rooting for him and you're kind of like this is amazing and yeah is. the that just that scene it with the like you say the passing of the um the usb stick for one yeah. of a better word yeah. and um and then that you know finally when the uh the uh tentative four is it it just falls out the bottom of the ship and off they go yeah. i'm just like holy shit this is amazing it's such a great ending it was such a great ending and and for for people that are maybe discovering star wars for the first time and watching mm. going i'm gonna watch from one to seven and then put rogue one where it should be that's a great way to reset all the the crap that you've had to deal with and really make Darth Vader scary yeah. and ready for new hope. Um, a, fr a friend of mine um, had never seen Star Wars before Force Awakens and my reaction to Force Awakens made him want to see it. Um, and I said to him, do go see it, but, but please watch four to six first. I really wish now I'd said, oh no don't bother with Star Wars because I'd love to see somebody see Rogue One be their first Star Wars film and then go into A New Hope <laughs> having seen Rogue One yeah. you know and like your only experience of, of Vader as a character and whatever be Rogue One and go straight from that ending into A New Hope I'd love to see someone's reaction to that mm. it is it's, it, it is really interesting all these kind of experiments you could do with mm. people that have never uh, watch the Star Wars films before. I think I think it's fascinating. yeah. There's, there's so many different ways to watch to watch Star Wars now. I think I still think I'd recommend starting with with four though, um, and then watching Rogue One retrospectively. I think it works. I think four might almost seem like a bit I don't know tame almost. Mm. You know, um, mm. you might be slightly slightly disappointed by it I guess if you thought this was what Star Wars was if you thought this bleakness and this violence was what Star Wars was um, mm. and then you know I suppose you'd have, you might have the same feeling that, that that first Clone Wars movie gave gave people yeah but in conclusion 
I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, brilliant film. And yeah, really for I think really for that scene more than any other bit of it. I think that scene was the scene that I thought I never imagined they would do something like that in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see it again now. Yeah, well, it's still on. I think. Do you know? Do you know what? Out. I'm quite excited about. I haven't taken my parents to see it, and they they know nothing about mm. Peter Cushing, Carrie Fisher. I mean, and obviously they know, like uh, your parents did, mm-hmm. you know, Carrie Fisher's dad and all that, and they don't know that she's in it yet, or you know that her image is in it. And yeah. I'm interested to see my, the reaction. My father didn't either, and um, his like, you know, just jaw to the floor when Carrie Fisher came on screen. He's not. He's not a Star Wars fan. Force Awakens was the first Star Wars film he ever saw. Mm. So he had actually never seen a Star Wars film with um, you know, a, a young Carrie Fisher in. Obviously, mm. she's in um, Force Awakens, um, but he'd never seen he'd never seen a Star Wars film with, with young Leia, and he's not much of a movie watcher, so I'm not sure he'd ever seen a film with Carrie Fisher in it. I think he just knew her as a personality. Mm. Um, and he just couldn't believe it. It just, you know... Jaw, jaw agape um, but it's hard to, to judge whether his reaction would have been the same had had what happened over Christmas not have happened but um, but yeah I very good film very good film I think if you're asking me if I liked it as much as Force Awakens no I didn't but I do think it's a very good film and currently is the fourth highest grossing film of last year well, I think it will be now, won't it? <laughs> Fourth highest grossing of last year. Mm. That surprised me. Do you think it'd be higher? Considering that Force Awakens became the highest grossing film of all time, I'd have thought that Rogue One would have at least become. Let's have a look at the highest grossing films of last year. Let's see see what we've got there. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> so we've got uh, we've got Rogue One at number four. Um, then we got Zootopia and Finding Dory, th- uh, number three and two, respectively. Virtually um, tying there as well. Yeah, yeah. And then we've got Captain America: Civil War at number one, which really surprises me. I mean, my personal experience: I went to the midnight screening of both Rogue One and Civil War. Um, Civil War was reasonably quiet. Um, I mean, I I sat in the sort of luxury, for want of a better word, section, and that there's only about thirty seats there, so that was pretty busy. But mm. the the rest of the theatre was pretty quiet. Um, Rogue One. Now we went together to to that midnight screening, and that was busy, mm. super busy, like sold out busy. Um, so based on my personal experience, I'm surprised to see to see that at number four. However, number one. look at when it was released in the year. That's true. That's true. But I can't imagine Civil War was at theatres for much longer than Rogue One has already been at theatres. Mm. Um, mm. But and there we go. Here's, here's another just interesting comment to make about the top ten while we're on it. So uh, the top five films of last year, grossing films, are all Disney films. Yep. Um three of which are animations. And if you look at the rest of the top ten, you've got another 
animation there from Universal with uh, Secret Life of Pets. Yeah. Uh, you've got two, three superhero films, uh, Batman mean, and Deadpool and Suicide Squad, and then you've got a Harry Potter film. Yeah. And, and Warner Brothers' two big franchises are in the top ten, maybe not as high at the top ten as I'd have liked them to be. Um, but they're all franchise but, films or animations. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Which is interesting. I, I actually think it's a bit sad, if I'm honest. It is, but, you know, what was the last non-franchise film that that was that that um, became the highest grossing film that year, American Sniper. Mm. Now, if it's films like American Sniper that are beating that the only films capable of beating franchises, then I'd rather franchises were top in the box office. Yeah. Well, well, there we go. Um, yeah, Rogue One has grossed uh, nine hundred ninety nine million dollars. I mean, it's not. You know, it's not. It's not. Pocket money, is it? <laughs> it's not pocket money. <laughs> <You know. laughs> True. Uh, and we look forward to the next uh, Star Wars spin-off film, which... Um, did you see the picture of uh, Harrison Ford having dinner with the new Han Solo? Yeah. In London recently? Yeah. Han duo. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and look, let me say that again. Han duo. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> did you do one more? Yeah, I did, to be honest. <laughs> okay. And uh, we're virtually, um, uh, as we speak, I, I would say they are now prepping to start filming episode nine, even though episode eight's trailer hasn't even come out yet. Um, no, I'm. That, I mean, I'm surprised with how how late in the day episode eight is is. Um, is being promoted. I mean, we've had no title, no trailer, and it's it's out in in uh, in December. You know, it's it's twelve months away, and I think we had everything a lot earlier with Force Awakens. Mm. Yeah, true. And uh, so. are we anticipating what other films are we anticipating? Because there does seem to be a lot of rumor right now, very hot on, online, that. You uh, and McGregor will be back for an Obi Wan Kenobi film, which I'm pretty sure mm. you were quite confident would happen. Yeah, I'd I'd like to see that. Um, I'd almost like to see a Star Wars western, um, just about Obi Wan's time. That's in, a lovely idea. In the sort of Tatooine desert, um, it doesn't even have to, you know, have a big, major plot that that sort of ties in the way this one does mm. just you know almost have a sort of um fistful of dollars type thing with obi-wan saving you know just a little tatooine town from some bandits or something like that you mm. know just i just think something like that would be really cool mm. um i i got the feeling the boba fett idea is well i think that went out the window when josh trank did I'm the only Cause, one because when Josh Trank was involved, um, this is Josh Trank, director of Chronicle and Fantastic Four. When he was involved, it was going to be a Boba Fett film. Mm-hmm. But then um, when he got the boot, I think the idea it being a Boba Fett film got the boot as well. Um, but hey, if we get an Obi Wan film and it's a western. Boba Fett could be the bandit. 
yeah, I could live with that because I'm pretty much the only person on on Earth that could not give a fuck about Boba Fett as a character. I really don't want to see a film about him. I don't, really don't care. Well, the thing is, Clone Wars um, did a lot with his character, um, and that's enough for me. I don't, I don't need to see. I don't need to see it go yeah. further than than what Clone Wars did. I'm not. I, you know, I don't see what him having his own film could do. I'm just reading here that uh, Donald Glover is cast to play Lando. Lando. Yeah. And Amelia Clark has been cast as someone. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, Woody Harrelson is Woody Harrelson. Hans mentor. Mm. So we're expecting uh, Han Solo next in the anthology. Yeah. And then and an And ju- judging by the directors as well, I think we could have as much of a departure as Rogue One, but in the opposite direction. Yeah. Because we've got Phil Lord and Chris Miller doing this film, mm-hmm. um, who are the uh, guys that did the Lego movie and the Jump Street films. Yeah. Now, as great as those movies are, and I really like all, th- all three of those films... Um, they are very goofy, um, very broad comedy. Um, and I don't think you get these guys on unless that's the sort of thing you want. I don't think you get these guys on and then go, but I want you to rein it in and yeah. not, not be. You know, I think we're going to get Lando and Han. I think we're almost going to get 21 Jump Street in space with Lando and Han. It's going to be a proper buddy, action buddy comedy um, of them you know getting involved in some sort of shenanigan and then being a sort of buddy duo mm. you know i think uh that that's going to be what we get with this okay well we well, we will see and and love to hear your opinion on uh rogue one and any of the future star wars films you can tweet us at geeks talk movies and uh yeah we'd love to hear what you think <laughs> And that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening to Geeks Talk Movies. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Geeks Talk Movies. And you can talk to us, use the hashtag Geeks Talk Movies. We're also on YouTube. Until the next episode from me and from Tom, goodbye. Goodbye.